Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is a crowd podcast. There's a shock when people first hear. A numbness, like the air around them has frozen, like everything's stopped like everything's changed forever. Then the doubt. Nah, this couldn't have happened. Not to someone that young, not to someone that strong. They look around, swallow, and then they hear it again. On the radio now, vibrations from their phones as another message comes in. That's this Sunday in the west of Ireland. News traveling from Paris and across England. That's Limerick. This little city way out towards the Atlantic, all storms in winter and a damp green in summer. That's the home of Anthony Foley. Once a player, now a coach, always a hero. Maybe you know the name. Maybe you cheered him on, celebrated when he did. Maybe you looked up to him as a kid. Maybe he's someone you heard about in passing, a name on team sheets, a name in the papers. You see how others react as these waves of sudden grief break around you and you think, why this man? This is Foley in a few breaths. Tall, six and a half foot, strong, big shoulders, dark hair turning gray, a bit of the muscle going softer with age. This is Foley as a rugby player. 62 caps in the back row for Ireland, 201 games for Munster, his province. Captain when they won the European Cup, after the long years of trying. Head coach until Paris, until this Sunday in autumn. Rugby's the sport in Limerick, but it's more than that. It's rivalry between the local clubs. It's togetherness when they play as one for Munster. Red shirts, a little dark blue. History and identity and pride all mixed together. That tells you a little, but not enough. You don't know Foley after that, not like Limerick does. This is a town frozen in grief. It's a nation where everything has stopped, because Foley's dead at 42. That's what the radio's saying, all those texts and WhatsApp messages. They call him Axel, this great lump of a man. Axel Foley, after Eddie Murphy in Beverly Hills Cop. And the news tells it straight. Found dead in his hotel room. A game in France. Munster on their travels. And no one can work out what's gone on and what it all means. No one is ready to say goodbye. That's what you see in Limerick this morning after. It's a bright, sunny October day. The weather unseasonably warm, the autumn leaves in full red and gold glory, and everywhere, men are in tears. Along Merchant's Quay by the banks of the River Shannon, past the grey walls of King John's Castle, in the quiet shopping streets, in the cafes and cars, on the rugby pitches, 
the politician, the head teacher, the rugby captain, teammates, old friends, strangers who look at each other and just know. Young lads and old granddads, men in smart blazers, hard men with battered faces, all of them struggling, all of them opened up. Axel Foley, he is this city. He belongs to everyone. But there's something else too. No one's ready to say goodbye. Not yet. This is a man being remembered in the present tense, not the past. Where do you start on a morning like this? You look to the leaders, the people who are supposed to be good at this sort of thing, who are supposed to know what to say. The town hall in Limerick's right in the guts of the city. High above the river, views across the sunlit streets. You can park outside, and there's spaces today. You want to understand Foley? You look at the face of the old boy who shows you where to park, at the woman on reception, staring at some place on the wall. You talk to the mayor. He's a warm man, Kieran O'Hanlon. Early sixties, shaved head, wears a suit and the chain around his neck, but you can imagine him in a bar or playing the game when he's younger. Today? Today he's all red eyes and shakes of the head. His words come, but they stop and falter too. They stay somewhere between his head and the world. He knew Foley. Of course he did. Everyone does. There's no other conversation in Limerick this week, only Anthony Foley. That's what he tells you. Whether you're a truck driver or a barrister, a baker or a candlestick maker, everyone in this city plays the game. That's what he says. Limerick is all about rugby, and rugby is all about Limerick. He's thinking back. He can remember the day JFK was assassinated, where he was when he heard. And he knows something. In Limerick, they'll always remember the day, the time they heard about Foley. That's where he is, the mayor. So, from his office, at the top of the building, you can see floodlights in the distance. That's Toman Park, the stadium where Munster play. High, curved stands, long rows of red plastic seats. There's gates out the front, the blue gates, they call them. It's where you go to cheer the heroes home, to see trophies waved at you, all triumph and glory. Now, these gates are a shrine. Flowers and scarves, Irish tricolores, old rugby jerseys, little messages on flags, on scraps of paper. More of that in a moment. That's where we're coming back to. That's where it'll all end in a few hours' time. For now, there's somewhere else to go first. A few miles to the northwest, another shrine, another pile of jerseys and flowers. This is the old high school where Axel went, where so many Munster men grew up. 200 years it's been going, this place, and the rest. Veritas in caritate, that's the motto. Truth in love. And that's what you see here when you look around. The love for a boy grown up and away. The truth of what it all means. There's been 200 kids called together in the canteen this morning and no one's talking, just whispers, heads down. This is what Foley did at this place, as a boy, as a player. He won the Munster School's Junior Cup. 
He went on tour with Munster Schools and Island Schools. He went to New Zealand with Ireland. Won six games out of eight. Came up against another big kid, a lad called Jonah Lomu. You might remember him too. The kids here today, they all know Foley. Some live on the same street. A lot live in the same parish. He comes back to St Munchins all the time to speak to the rugby teams, give them a few words. He's happier with the lads in the changing rooms than he is in the staff room. He doesn't say much, Foley, but it all counts. Every word with meaning behind it. He likes to point at the crest on the jersey. He talks about having pride in your school, pride in your teammates. He clenches his fist and says, A closed fist of five fingers is much stronger than an open hand with five separate ones. He tells them, Bind together, walk together. They remember all that this morning. And you can feel the grief among them like a living thing. The head teacher says to them, Anthony was proud of St Munchins, but St Munchins was proud of Anthony. We have lost a legend. There's something else you hear there. This thing about being a monster man, what it means. They tell you, you have to be a team man, a man of actions, a man of total commitment. You have to respect the opposition, but you will leave your dent on every game. You will rally your team, you will rally supporters. It's all about family and it's about commitment. That's what it means to be a monster man. There's other stuff we need to know here. Things about his childhood, the roots. See, Foley's dad was a player, Brendan, for Shannon, the club, for Munster, the province, for Ireland, the nation. And wherever Brendan went, his son would go with him, carrying his kit bag into the changing rooms at Tomond Park, sitting in his spot under his favourite peg, keeping it safe for his father, his hero. Anthony's there on maybe the most famous day of all, October the 31st, 1978. New Zealand come to Limerick to play Munster. The All Blacks, the best team in the world, most of the time. Munster with no chance, logically. Logic? There's no logic with Munster rugby. Thousands of fans marching across town to Toman Park. No room inside, so hundreds of them sitting 20 feet up on the boundary wall. More hanging in the trees and branches outside. And they win it, somehow. History. Impossible history. Right there in front of them all. Here's what the All Blacks coach says afterwards. We were up against a team of kamikaze tacklers. We lost to a side that played with as much passion as I've ever seen on a rugby field. That's what Anthony Foley sees as a kid. That's his education as much as what happens at the school. So he sits in his dad's spot in the changing rooms as a boy, and he sits in the same spot as a man, as a player, keeping it warm forevermore. He's never the quickest on the pitch, never the flashiest. But it's like he's got a sixth sense, always in the right place at the right time. God, he's tough. He thinks of rugby as a street fight with a ball. He knows you can score a try with speed and a sidestep, with footwork, but he knows the other ways too. Straight over a fella, 
That's what he says. Running at your opposition number, not around them. You need to put a bit of manners on them. That's how he describes it. When Munster lose under his watch, he tells the team to remember it, obsess over it, stick it in what he calls the bitterness bank. And that's what they do. They keep losing in the European Cup, great at home in front of that support, half the team away from home. Then they start changing with him as captain, reaching semi-finals, reaching the final twice in three years, but losing them both. And then getting there again four years later. A neutral stadium for the final, but it's like the whole of Munster is gone. Thousands of them, filling seats, buying others, finding any way to be there. And when they win, beautifully, in style, the boys become his father. A Munster hero forevermore, lifting the trophy, shaking at the fans, raging and smiling and almost crying all at the same time. That's what you need to know about Anthony Foley. And so we're back in Limerick, this warm day in October 2016, this raw afternoon of disbelief and wild agonies. You go into a cafe for a sandwich, a drink. You talk to the girl behind the till. She wants to talk. Everyone does. She tells you about being taken to a first Shannon game as a kid by her dad. She talks about Axel being the one she couldn't forget. This tall, powerful, angry machine. Relentless. Loving it. She talks about growing up and starting selling lotto tickets down the ground on match days. A little job to make a little money. How Foley was captain and would look after all the kids doing her job. Buying them tea afterwards. Chatting to them like equals. Always cheering you up. Always there for you. There's this way she describes him. When he had the ball, he had moves Fred Astaire would be proud of. That's what she sees when she remembers. A demon on the pitch and a gentleman off it. You walk on through the sunshine and breeze over to the University of Limerick, a campus on the edge of town, lecture rooms and halls of residence. There's some lovely pictures there, a new high-performance centre where Munster train in the week. This is where you find the players. In a lecture room, sitting behind a desk at the front, reporters and TV crews set up in front of them, wondering what questions to ask, wondering what answers might come back. The Munster captain's there, Peter Romani. Proper hard man, like Axel reborn, moulded by him, coached by him, bonded. He knows he has to say something. He's there for all the players. They were all there in Paris in the same hotel on Sunday, when it happened, when they heard. And he can't speak. He can't lift his head from his hands. Cameras clicking, people waiting, and no answers. Not now. Next to him is the Munster director of rugby, Foley's sideman, his sounding board, who will go on to win the next World Cup. This guy's a big South African, hard as nails, all about ignoring the emotions. You watch him as he tries to get a few words out, and it's the body language speaking loudest. The way his right arm's shaking, the way his left foot under the table is jumping and leaping about. You watch, 
and you feel that grief like a living thing, both public and intensely private, everywhere in this town. And then the captain speaks, in between tears. I'm not going to do him justice here. That's all he manages, for a long while. All the words I could say, and then a long pause. Hands across his face, palms wiping at his eyes. Every team I supported in the red jersey he played in or coached, that he's gone is incredible. He stops again and looks up for the first time, like he's seeing him again in front of him. A sentence that starts and drops away, that falls apart. The rugby brain and the man and the friend and the coach and the brother that we've lost. This is what you need to know about that Sunday in Paris. Foley wasn't there at breakfast, not there for the coffee in the hotel reception, not answering his phone. They found his body just after half twelve, in his room looking like a man sleeping, like the longest Sunday lie-in he ever had. People want to phone his wife Olive first, before the match is called off, before the news leaks out in other ways. It's been a normal Sunday morning for her, back in the west of Ireland. The grandparents taking her two boys for breakfast, her going out for a long walk with her friends. She doesn't take her phone with her, leaves it in the car. Gets back a few hours later to see a great list of missed calls and thinks, what's wrong with people on a Sunday morning that have all these messages? Then she sees who they're from. Her own mother, Anthony's dad, Brendan. She drives home thinking it's the kids, that it's Tony, her 11-year-old, Dan, three years younger. Drives home, not knowing. It's her mother who tells her. Knocks on the door, sees her daughter's face. Olive, you need to sit down. It's Olive who has to tell the boys. She has two minutes to think what to say. The hardest word she'll ever have to find. Can you imagine? Nothing prepares you for that. Could you do it? Find the words? It travels now, the news. A statement by the Irish Rugby Football Union, paying homage, asking for privacy for the family. A heart condition, that's what they're saying. The phrase they use is this, acute pulmonary edema, fluid building up on the lungs. No warning, no escape. And as news travels, great names react. Politicians, presidents, old teammates, rivals, all of them in shock, none of them ready to say goodbye. And Olive, Foley's wife, what does she say to their boys? She thinks, you have to say it straight to children, they won't understand. So she doesn't say, he's passed. She doesn't say, we lost him. She looks them in the eye, holds their hands and says, it's daddy, he's died in his sleep. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Where do you end a story like this? At Shannon, the little club that's done so much. A clubhouse tucked up in the shadow of the stands at Toman Park, one story high, the doors thrown open. Books of condolence on the table, candles, an embroidered silk flag, and a slogan, Fortune favours the brave. Pictures of Foley in the black and blue hoops of the club shirt, white tape around his head to protect the ears, ball tucked under his arm. Those clubs in Limerick, there's Gary Owen, there's Young Munster, there's Bohemians. Shannon people will tell you they're the one. More titles than any other club side in the country. There's no rugby family like a Shannon rugby family. That's what you'll hear. You walk into the clubhouse and it's sort of familiar. Polished beer taps, ales and lagers, cardboard boxes of crisps behind a long bar. Old team photos along the walls, the young faces of men now older and turning to grey. Grins and stares, hopes and dreams. One wall reserved for those who've gone on to wear the green of Ireland. Foley, his father, their great teammates. It's familiar because it's every rugby club. It's every clubhouse. Warm, welcoming. A home on a cold Saturday afternoon. A place to sit and drink with your boys and theirs and pull the game apart. There's a man there, same age as Foley, big build on him. Looks like a pure rugby man. The shoulders, the nose, the ears. This is Noel Healy. He played with Anthony for Shannon and Munster. He's his golf partner each week. Best mate. Disbelief. That's the word he uses, again and again. He tells you how he heard last Sunday. How he was out in the car and the club chairman called him and told him to pull over. How the chairman said... Axel was found dead this morning in Paris, and how he replied, no, no, you must mean Brendan. He broke down. That's what happened. He thinks he must have held the traffic up for 20 minutes. It took someone to knock on the car window and ask him to move. He still can't remember anything from that 20 minutes, motionless there in the road at the wheel. He says, since Sunday, 12 o'clock, half my world has fallen apart. Noel was there too that day in 1978 when Munster beat the All Blacks. He was one of the kids sitting on the boundary wall. Today? Today he's waiting for the body of his friend to be brought back from Paris. He's organising the guard of honour for when the hearse comes past from Shannon Airport, past the rugby pitch where the two played, made their name, felt the bond. They opened the clubhouse at three in the afternoon last Sunday. It hasn't been closed since. Ten books of condolence filled already with messages, with disbelief, with love. They lay them out at half seven in the morning and they only close them at ten at night. There's something Noel says that you won't forget. When you're looking him in the eyes, wondering how he's keeping going, he says, Our club and all clubs in Limerick are a family. And when something happens in a family, what do you do? You pull together. He says, we've hugged and we've cried. 
Why wouldn't you get together on an occasion like this? You'd have to be made of stone. And so we come to the final act. Night has fallen at Toman Park. It's yellow streetlights now, bright on the flags and scarves tied to the blue gates. People talk quietly, waiting. The plane has landed at Shannon Airport, that's the word. Two more old teammates on board, bringing the body home. A silence falling, as if everyone knows, as if they can hear him coming. The hearse ghosts quietly into view, a long black car, polished, smooth. Two idling police motorbikes on either side. It stops. And then you see it. The coffin, draped in the red flag of Munster. The singing starts. There's a song at Shannon, an anthem. It's called There Is An Isle. The way you do it, the singing is led by one person, with each line being repeated by the crowd. Tonight, it's Noel Healy leading it all. The teammate, the golfing partner, the best friend. A fair singer, too. Farewell. That's the first line. The hundreds all around, men and women and children, sing it back to him. Farewell. Though lands may meet, though lands may meet, may meet my gaze, may meet my gaze. I shall not find, I shall not find a spot so fair, a spot so fair. Ten years before all this, Axel Foley was looking back, sort of for a joke, sort of serious. They asked him how he'd want to be remembered. His answer? As someone who never gave in, who could have called it quits but wanted more, who found something to chase and chased it. Sometimes when a famous sports star dies, you get the sense all those people mourning definitely loved that person, but not that they truly knew them. Not in Limerick. The whole city feels like it's on these streets. Old rugby men with old rugby faces, sharp-eyed kids on the dad's shoulders, teenagers looking cold in island hoodies, mums dabbing their eyes. Everyone singing here loved Foley. They knew him intimately too. In an hour or so, the hearse will stop at St Munchin's school. Then it's St Flannan's church for the funeral on Friday. For now, the men and women of Munster sing. And they cry. And so, four days after his death in a foreign land, Anthony Foley is back amongst his own. This episode of Death of a Sports Star was written by Tom Fordyce. It was performed by me, Emma Clark, and edited by Charlie Frost. For a search, we use the archives of the BBC, RTE, ESPN, The Times, The Telegraph, and The Limerick Leader. The music we used is from our partner's BMG Production Music. If this is your first episode, try our one about Jonah Lomu, rugby's first superstar or the one about Philip Hughes 
another sports star who loved his hometown and whose sport loved him. We're coming to the end of this series and we'd love you to tell a friend about your favourite episodes or leave a nice review for others to see in your podcast app. And if you want another podcast to listen to, subscribe to Death of a Rockstar for episodes about Bob Marley, Prince and Amy Winehouse. Thanks for listening. Crowd Network, a place where you belong. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix, dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the chequered flag. Get ready, race fans, because the ultimate NASCAR experience is about to hit the airwaves. Welcome to Pit Pass NASCAR, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart-pounding world of NASCAR racing. Join us each week as we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers, team members, and industry insiders. So whether you're a fan of super speedways, short ovals, or road racing, or you've just watched Talladega Nights, Pit Pass NASCAR is the podcast you've been waiting for. Get ready to fuel your passion for NASCAR like never before. Subscribe now to Pit Pass NASCAR on your favorite podcast platform or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get ready to join us. Launching in the fall on Evergreen Podcast Network. Follow us on social media at pass underscore NASCAR to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-back training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you.